2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It
0: was a return to business as usual for England on day 10 of the 2019 Men's Cricket World Cup as Jason Roy blasted a brilliant 1-5-3 against Bangladesh at Cardiff to set up a 106-run victory. Roy's innings and a typically audacious half-century from Josh Butler took England to 386 for six, their highest ever total at a World Cup, before a virtuoso spell of fast bowling from Joffre Archer ensured Bangladesh never got close, Al Hassan's classy century proving in vain. And in the later match, New Zealand made it three wins from three, cruising past Afghanistan by seven wickets at Taunton. Jimmy Neesham was the star of the show, claiming his first ODI fifer, while Lockie Ferguson continued to impress with his pace and aggression, taking four wickets. Then it was over to Kane Williamson to see his side home, the Black Cat skipper finishing unbeaten on 79. A bad day for the Afghans was compounded by a head injury to their star man Rashid Khan, who suffered a nasty blow to the head while batting and wasn't deemed fit to bowl. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast, in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. Phil Walker's not with us today. He's at his sister's wedding, which seems a reasonable excuse, but we have some excellent guests lined up for you. A little later in the show, I'll be chatting to Paul Ford, Wisden Cricket Monthly's New Zealand correspondent, about how the Black Caps are shaping up. But first, we're going to focus on that English victory. Rana was Wisden's man on the ground at Cardiff, and on the train back to London, he spoke to Will McPherson, cricket correspondent for the Evening Standard. Here's what the guys had to say. I'm joined by the Evening Standard's Will McPherson on the train back from Cardiff to
2: London after England's 106 run win over Bangladesh. Um, Will, what was your moment of the day?
3: I think my moment of there has to be Jason Roy reaching his ninth ODI century. Uh, He got there with a misfield and then was watching this really dodgy piece of fielding, which led to a four, which took him from 96 to 100. And then because he wasn't Watching where he was going He managed to take out On bar Joel Wilson Who was then decked um, It was hilarious But also for a moment Slightly concerning You know we've seen Instants cricket field Where people get knocked over It's not very nice So just check that he's fine And then Roy got up And carried on celebrating And it was, it was quite a nice moment And Roy was But there are I will add there are cricketers I would rather have run into me Than Jason Roy Who is You know, he'd make quite a handy inside centre, I reckon, if he was on
2: a rugby field. So he's not someone you want to be clattered into. It's great innings. Uh, So it's that that said that this is. England have scored more hundreds in this World Cup than they have in any other World Cup and we're only three games in Uh, obviously great to see Roy in form Um, I particularly enjoyed that once he got past 100 he wasn't really thinking about the double hundred or I want to be the first England man he obviously just wanted to get England to the highest score as possible Um, he hit those three sixes in a row and then got out um, the ball afterwards it's pretty encouraging right for Roy to be in this form for England
3: well Definitely, not least because at Trent Bridge on Monday he was sort of the picture of England's problems. He you know, he dropped that horrific catch, he got a fine for swearing and stuff, and then he got out but really a really poor dismissal really early in England's innings and took in, took the review with him. So he looked he actually looked a bit frazzled and I want I was a bit concerned this week but he might have you know, he's an emotional guy that he might have been going back to a little bit of the sort of bad old ways with Jason Roy. But he could not have answered that Any more emphatically today He is in such good form Monday was the aberration Today is, that's the norm now that This is what he does He's done it He did it throughout that Pakistan series uh, The 4-0 win He was brilliant um, And he's just clinical and class these days he's, he's improved beyond measure from 2015 When he was really good When he started out playing for England But he was so raw And a bit of a firebrand And careless And he'd get, out, you know, he'd get out He got out the first ball of England's white ball revolution, didn't he, against New Zealand in 2015? His first ball in ODI cricket, I'm pretty sure he just slapped it to backward point. It's like <laughs> he just wouldn't do that now. He's so much more measured. And actually, the best thing about his hundred today was the start. He just knocked it about. I mean, Johnny Bairstow knocked it about even more. But they're supposed to have obviously thought about their issue this week that teams opening with spin against them. And admittedly, today it was finger spin, not wrist spin, which makes it slightly easier to deal with. But they thought about it. They've realised that that is what teams are going to do And today they were just like If the ball isn't there to hit We're not going to hit it We're just going to take the singles Get some twos And then the runs will come And I think it was something like They got they scored 15 runs off the first five And then something like 120 off the next 15 You know they, they, they would,
2: it, was, it was great measurement from them uh, yeah, I was going to ask you actually about Teams opening with spinning against England Is that going to be the norm? Are we Are going to see that every game now?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think we are going to see it a lot. I mean, West, West Indies are on on Friday, I don't think because they haven't. Yeah, that would be completely ludicrous for them to do it. But I can see why teams are doing it. They did it. South Africa did it as a punt to get Roy out because Roy has a reputation as being a bit of a dodgy starter against spin. And then they got lucky, and Bairstow who's a superb player of spin. Got out. I doubt Bairstow will get out early to spin again. That was just a one-off at the very start of the tournament. But Roy, you can see it working again. Um, and I expect, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Zampa did it for Australia. I doubt India would because they're a bit more, they're quite like convention. And they've got Boomer and, and Bovey, which would be a bit silly to do that. Um, so, yeah, I do expect a lot of teams to do it. I don't actually think it's a, a genius tactic. It's clever because neither of them are, both both of them are good players to spin. But both of them would rather be facing spin when they've already whacked 10 falls through Backward point Off a of seamer In the power play And he comes on In the 12th over And then they whack him as well It's harder to start Against a spin So I do get it But I think it's, pro- it's Probably getting to the point Where it's run its course now
2: I My opinion on it Is that um, Roy and Bess get off to such A good start anyway That you might as well Have a go With a spinner Like even if he goes To twelve in that first over I mean quite possibly we would have gone for 12 anyway so I think might as well have a go um, going back to the beginning of the game Maureen Ali was left out the side um, which I think was a bit of a surprise and he's not been in the best form with the bat but I think he's bowled quite well in the tournament so far do you think there's a one off today because of the short straight boundaries or do you think that's the thing that we're going to see more often
3: I was surprised as well I would got the impression in the week that they might leave out a spinner but I thought it would be Rashid because I think whatever they say I think there is some management required of Rashid's shoulder which is an issue can't get, we couldn't imagine a situation where England got to a must-win game and then suddenly Rashid was a problem. So I thought, with Bangladesh, it was quite a unique game today. Bangladesh, you know, known for being good players of spin, at Cardiff, which was green, green to look at, with that horrific short straight boundary. But just, it's not not appropriate for a spinner to bowl at that end. I mean, Mossadegh Hussain did it today and Butler didn't even really get hold of it and he still put it 20 rows back. So, you just can't bowl spin from that end. So, I I, I was expecting him to leave the spinner. I didn't think it'd be Moen. I don't think it will happen again. I think it was very unique circumstance today. They like the two of them. They work better together. Um, they needed to get Plunkett in the side, I think, today. He's got a very good record at Cardiff. Moen will definitely be back on Friday for West Indies because he they've got so many left-handers in the side as well so he becomes a massive tool against them um, his batting is quite obviously a worry um, and part of the problem is he does actually not get very much opportunity does he um, but then again you say that and he had a great opportunity against Pakistan I know it was a lot to do but it was an opportunity and he just never looked like he never looked like the guy who was going to get the job done like Wokes looked like he might but Moen didn't so that is a concern but as England showed today they've got so many guys who can back well if you don't feel like Moen's worth a place in the best 11 on bowling alone so if you don't feel like he's going to make any runs just keep shoving him down the order if it, if it means he ends up at number 10 he ends up at number 10 it would be absurd to have a guy that good at number 10 but you know, so be it if it needs to be
2: you mentioned earlier that Jason Roybounce really well but bounced back really well After what happened against Pakistan But England as a team Bounced back really well You know um, There was a bit of pressure Going into this game Because Bangladesh had a big win themselves There was concerns a bit About the forecast as well Like you, you, don't, you don't You don't want to have a, a game rained off this early in the tournament um, And England got 386 And no one really batted neither It was more like Oh we didn't get 400 um, how, how How impressed are you By the collective uh, Coolness Almost Of this England side To bounce back For what was a surprising defeat Against Pakistan
3: yeah, I, I do think that was very impressive today. Because again, if, if the, the nature of this World Cup is that you can afford to lose games. Yeah, it, it, it's just a fact you can. But you can't afford to lose three or four. You know, I think seven wins, two losses will get it's guaranteed to get you through. It might even top the group. Um, so England probably will lose again at some stage. But they couldn't be, they could not be two from three mm. defeats so they've averted that really well It's a big statement performance a lot of the guys who had really bad days on Monday like Roy, Archer, Rashid had actually quite good days today I mean Rashid got some tonk but you're going to get that at Cardiff against Shakiba Ch- Hassan in form and he got an important wicket and he looked to be getting through his action a little bit better which is important so yeah, it, it, it all happened together but the key sort of key barometers, if you like are the guys who had really dodgy days the other day and they had good days today so that is it was, it was a massive win
2: um, on Archer, he was brilliant today. He he
3: was, actually. He's got that. You just, you do, you, you can't leave a room when he's bowling, can you? You just have to watch. And he, um, yeah, he's, it was, the opening spell deserved more than one wicket. And then he came back and did what, you know, he's he, what they've got now with him is another major tail end, like tail end tool. A bit like Rashid is great for just tossing it up and getting tail enders out. Well, Joffrey can do that as well now because they're just they're just completely scared of him, and he's he's so um, you know so intimidating to to fate to and, and players are admitting it as well you know England players are admitting it and seeing the fear and he's hitting people he he rough he roughed Tamim up today which takes a bit of doing so you know it, it was a brilliant performance from him.
2: Um, do you think we'll see rotation among the seamers? Uh, I mean, the third team has been rotated already in this tournament, but Wokes and Archer have been the mainstays. Obi and uh, kind of similar to your point That you made about Rashid Managing his shoulder injury But we're just a pace bowler Do you, do we want Archer and Wokes To be playing all nine Of England's group's ages?
3: No, you definitely don't uh, Not least because you want Tom Curran to play he, he had a brilliant series Against Pakistan He had a great start of summer And he's, he's clearly not In the best three um, But he But, you know, he he needs to games because he probably he'll probably play a couple. I mean, I would I would be quite tempted to play him at the um, in Hampshire on Friday because it's quite big, and it's big the biggest ground of the tournament. So his cutters and variations and stuff could could do a job against their big hitters. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Wokes gets a rest on Friday, and they will call it a rest because he he's not he's not had a great couple of games. Um, well, yeah, with the bat he's done well, but with the ball he's he's looked. It's looked a bit of a struggle, and it's not doing much for him. And teams, I think, partly because Jofra is at the other end, and they're a bit scared of going after him. They're going after Wokes of it, so um, he has been a little bit expensive. But he's also, I, st- I still think, he's one of England's most important players. You know, you would not want to go into a World Cup final without him. So uh, he. I, I just see I see it as him and Archer and then Wood or Plunkett and you just sort of take your pick who do you like more I, I actually personally think I think Wood is brilliant but I would play Plunkett in my first team because I think he does I think he bats for best balance of attack so I do expect a lot of rotation one big boost on the seam side is that in all three games it Stokes has bowled really quite well he got three wickets today he got two in the first game and he went. Well, I think he went wicketless at Trent Bridge but in a proper sort of carnage innings, 3 4 9, he, he was relatively tight. So I, I think that that's an optimistic sign but he can be that proper sort of plug as a fourth seamer.
2: Oh, yeah. Wokes' is, uh, record in the first 10 overs over the last four years, his last World Cup, is only bettered by Trent Bolt. Um, he's been pivotal in those opening 10 overs. And I, 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 I haven't seen the numbers, but I kind of get the impression he's a bit off his full pace. I think he's at his best when he's like hitting the spice the bat hard and keeps things quite simple at the top, top of the innings um, just a quick word before we finish on Bangladesh um, Shakib Alassane with 100 is the only second Bangladeshi to score a World Cup 100 after Mamdala. Um he's got the most runs and wickets uh, by a Bangladeshi player at, at World Cups in general um, it's almost been this Surprise! Is this good? Like he's, he's been this good for years. I, I genuinely think that if you're, he, he gets into any any side in the world, um, how, would you would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. I think it, it's become a little bit of a sort of cliche over the last week, hasn't it? Been yeah. to say, well, he's not overrated, or, or he's not, he's not, it's not a surprise, or whatever. But it's not really. He has been in the top three of the uh, ODI all round rank, rankings for ten years. Um, he's clearly absolute class. Uh, and today It was a bit of a shame Because No one really Mushvika did it for a bit But sort of had the application To stick around with him And work as hard As he seemed to be And just get stuck in Against Joffre And stuff like that So he was Fought a bit of a lone hand today yeah. um, With the ball that England did a brilliant job of negating him you know they were they were very respectful early on because they knew what he could do um, so yeah he's, he's a class act Bangladesh are going to win some more big games in this tournament it wouldn't be a total they lost to England and New Zealand two of the best teams it wouldn't be a total surprise for them over the last four but they do have quite a lot of work to do now after those two defeats this week
2: and with that thanks for joining
0: us Will um, I'm sure you'll be in one of these daily podcasts sometime soon No problem. Okay, that's enough on England for the time being. Uh, Plenty more to follow in the days and weeks ahead, of course. Let's now switch our attention to New Zealand, who it's, of course, obligatory to describe as dark horses in the context of World Cups, even though they got to the final last time and everyone knows they're really good. Now, the Black Caps made it 11 wins from the last 12 World Cup games by beating Afghanistan at Taunton and are sitting pretty at top of the table, uh, albeit they've not encountered any of the favourites yet. Joining me on the phone from New Zealand is Paul Ford, Kiwi cricket writer and co-founder of the New Zealand Support group, the Beige Brigade. Paul, welcome to the show. G'day Joe. Thanks very much for joining us. I know it's it about 8am in New Zealand. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm glad that it's uh, just audio. It's nice that it's not video because I'm <laughs> sitting here I'm in my dressing gown in my pyjamas. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, it's a difficult, this up to a difficult time uh, for, for Kiwis over here to watch. Sure, but you've, I understand you've been kind of watching snippets through the night, then having a bit of a doze, then switching the TV back on. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of
1: recording and media blackouts going on, so that uh, so that we don't get tipped off and we can watch it as if it's live. So yeah, it's, it's working out fine. It seems like it's going to be a
0: great tournament. Good stuff. Well, let's start with your your moment of the day from New Zealand's win over Afghanistan. What what stood out for you? Yeah, it's hard to go past um, Lockie Ferguson's
1: thunderbolt crashing into the the helmet of Rashid Khan, yeah. and I guess not just to. Not just showing um, Ferguson's pace and how he's um, started the tournament pretty pretty swiftly, obviously. But also the fact that Rashid Khan then couldn't bowl. And I think he was probably going to be one bowler that created a bit of havoc for the New
0: Zealand batsman. So a real double, a genuine double blow there for uh, Afghanistan. And I guess concerns from Afghanistan's point of view that he might... Uh, actually, they're not playing for a week, are they, Afghanistan? So he would hope he'd be ready for that one. But obviously we saw with Amla took that blow to the head and had to had to miss the next game Let, let's talk a bit about Lockie Ferguson though Jeremy Coney said he's been uh, New Zealand's bowler of the tournament so far and, and he's now top of the wicket taking charts with 8 from 3 games averaging 12 with the ball and he's quick isn't he? He is real quick I think he's been identified as the fastest bowler in the world over the last year which was actually a bit of a surprise to me I guess we don't we know he's quick but we don't we think about him
1: being amongst those pairs of, of fast bowlers you know uh, across Australia and Jofra Archer and, and Boombra and guys like that but uh, no he's it seems like he's top of the heap. And, he, you know, he, he started out very much as a, you know, just blast people out um, and was pretty wayward at times. And it could be quite frustrating watching him. You know, he had a bit of a Sean Tate vibe about him, mm. which was you know, a real hit or miss. But I think being under the wing of um, the, the likes of being in, in with Tim Southey and Trent Bolton, and, and so on, I think... It seems like he's really sort of taken that that what those wild ways seem to have been dialed down, and um, he's got some great variations, and, and,
0: and is just just a much more difficult bowler to face these days. A lot of people will be seeing him for the first time at this World Cup. That's the the beauty of these tournaments. What give us a bit of background to him? Where's where's he where's he come from?
1: Yeah, he's, he's an he's an Auckland grammar guy. So um you yeah, know from from New Zealand's um, largest city. Yeah, and that's pretty much his... He's come through the, the Auckland grades. Yeah, he's one of those guys, he sort of he flies a little bit under the radar. Like, he's he's very low profile. Um, the, big, the most high profile thing about him is that he... Sometimes runs a sort of a 1980s woolly moustache. That's probably his number one feature. Sure. Um, he's been known to, to rock up and play social cricket fixtures in New Zealand, which is a very frightening proposition if you're a lower-grade cricketer oh, in New God, Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and look, he's just one of those guys. We, I think we've had the likes of Adam Milne floating around, um, and, and when Milne's just continued to get injured, they've looked to the, I guess, the... Uh, a younger guy who's got that blistering pace and Lockie Ferguson's been top of the heap and they've given him a shot um, and as I say he, he kind of I, I wouldn't say he seized it with both hands with his, his first few uh, opportunities but but now he's become this uh, real fixture in the
0: team. Another guy who was sporting an excellent moustache when I went to the New Zealand media day before the tournament but sadly took it off before the start of the, the tournament was Jimmy Neesham who, was, who had an incredible day today. Uh, He hasn't bowled by his own admission particularly well recently, yet took his first ODI 5 for... Um, he's an interesting character, Jimmy, isn't he? He's
1: been a bit of a forgotten man for a while, Jimmy Neesham. You know, he's he floating around and then really just went off the off the radar. He uh, he was playing for Otago and po- pulled the pin on that, moved to Wellington, and it just seemed like he, he could go one or two ways. You know, he could he, he could just really fade into the background of New Zealand domestic cricket. But but good on him. He's he's dug in and, and managed to get back into the World Cup. And I guess he's one of those guys that people are watching very closely because he's keeping Ish Sody, um in the hut and uh, and I guess competing now with. Um, Colin de was For that One of those all rounder positions um, Santner seems like He's pretty much A,
0: a done deal he's a banker, um, For the yeah. other one So yeah It's an interesting one And so you know he, He's one of these guys Who And he's talked about it
1: Himself You know He's a, you know, he suffered from some depression. He he's really wrestles with that some of that mental health um, um stuff, and has been really open, which is uh, pretty courageous from him. Um, yeah, as you say, he's just a, he is an interesting character. He's not just one of those guys who is um I guess trying to say as little as possible and stay out of the media. He I think he quite likes the media side of things, and he's got quite a bit to say. He's a very funny man on the social media too. So um, if you're out there. He's he's one that's one New Zealand cricketer that's worth a follow. Not quite as boring as uh, the likes of Kane Williamson.
0: Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a proper character on social media. Um, on the team in general, as I said at the top, they've had a comparatively easy start to the tournament, playing three of the kind of least fancy teams first. You got India next up, at at Trent Bridge on Thursday is that that will be a better gauge of how far this team can go in the tournament? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. You know,
1: I, I think not only have we played Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and Afghanistan, and you know, obviously not 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 the strongest teams in the tournament, probably the three weakest, all relatively similar as well. So, I think yeah, we talk about it, and you said it at the top, Joe. You know that um, New Zealand's a dark horse. Well, we don't really know you because they haven't beaten anybody particularly good. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think the Indian India match looms as a as a, as a uh, massive test fit for, for our team. Um, they came over to New Zealand uh, earlier this year and gave us an absolute pants-down hiding. For it, totally went home early, and they still kept beating us. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I think I, I don't think there'll be very, very many cocky uh, New Zealand fans sitting on their um, couches late at night uh, this week feeling cocky about uh, about this game. It'll be uh, it'll be one that people are feeling pretty nervous about, and rightly
0: so. But how about in general? What's what's the feeling amongst the, the Kiwi cricket fans? Do they think that this time they can go go and win it? Yeah.
1: Pretty positive. I mean, uh, the, the chats that we've been having is, you know, how many wins are you going to need to have to get into that top four? And, you know, it feels like it's probably going to come down to, to run rate. I mean, I, I think um, it sounds like, is it six, something like that? And I, I think everybody feels like that's quite doable, particularly with the likes of, you know, South Africa and Pakistan. You never quite know what you're going to get there. You know, West Indies feels like a good opportunity. And then it's a real toss of the coin for the India, for the India match, the Australia match and the England match. So yeah. I think that's kind of the vibe from the, from the New Zealand side of things. I think we'd love a couple of those uh, other teams that we're neck and neck with for the top four to have some rain outs against some of the lower teams that would work out magnificently for us. Um, but yeah, and, and I think, you know, there's I wouldn't say there's, uh, we're, we're cocky, but there's there's optimism that we can beat those teams on our day. So I think anything less than semifinals would be pretty disappointing. And I think seeing um, guys like, um, I guess, Trent Bolt in particular, but also... Uh, Matt Henry coming through. That I think people were worried about the the Southie thing, and um, you know how was Matt Henry going to go? And I think people are feeling quite positive about that. And then the early signs of form from Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor. Obviously, that's massively critical. I mean, they are our, they are our, they are our tellers men.
0: But Paul, why, why when they those two batted together for as long as they have, why can't they run between the wickets? It's kind of just absolute, <laughs> it's kamikaze stuff. I, I don't understand.
1: And there was another. There was a, there was another couple of. Uh, Dicey moments Even if You know uh, Overnight against Afghanistan Under no pressure whatsoever You know It's bizarre Look I don't know I've I guess my theory on it, and I've got absolutely no idea on this one, You know, it's, and, and when you look at the stats, it's not that bad. I think it's they've been run out, one of them has been run out in a partnership seven times in 200 and something matches, so it's hardly cataclysmic. But yeah. I, I'd love to see the statistics around close shades because I well, imagine that's yeah. probably around the 200 times over 200 games. Um, but I just wonder whether they both go into the zone and they're both just so used to being, I guess, the, the dominant partner, the senior player when they're batting, that they're just kind of in the zone and they, they aren't thinking too as much about about the other bloke is what, what the other guy at the other end normally is when they're batting. When you're batting with Kane Williamson or when you're batting with Ross Taylor, I think you'd be very aware
0: of them. And yeah, I would just wonder whether they both go into the zone a little bit. That's my theory, sure. but I don't know. No, actually Phil said a very guessed a very similar thing about Williamson the other day, actually, as we were talking about this, when Williamson really should have been run out against Bangladesh and uh, Mishfaka kind of fluffed it, didn't he? Um Broke the stumps before the ball. Before he Bam, had the ball. Was a um, yeah. Um. You mentioned Southie there as well. There's a couple of kind of interesting selection dilemmas developing because Henry Nichols and Southie weren't considered fit for the opening game. Are both now apparently fit and were available for selection today, but didn't make the team. Is Southie no longer in New Zealand's best eleven? Oh, I think it was a real. I mean, it's a really
1: badly timed injury for him. You know, I think if he was. If he was fit, he would have started. He would have been the incumbent. You know, potentially he would have done exactly what Matt Henry's done. I think what's happened is he's just dropped down one notch because of that injury. Matt Henry sees the opportunity. It just feels really off. To, to to put Matt Henry back, back on the bench um, so yeah I think I think it's a real edge case call between those two and and I I think if um, if, if Matt Henry went down I think Southie would come back in and, and, and do super well so I' I'm, I just think it's just circumstances I, there's been a l- lots of chat about Southie's form over the past 12 months down here in New Zealand but and and there've been some concerns around it but generally he's seen as such a, a frontline man and a, and a real just just a a, a anchor really, mm. I guess with with Trent Bolton and they've had developed an amazing partnership. But you know, good on Matt Henry for doing what he's done. There, there was also quite a lot of chat about Matt Henry knowing the English conditions and having had a really good season over there recently as well. So I think it's a good, for once, it's a great, a great problem for New Zealand to have. You know, too many seamers.
0: Yeah, we well, you, you need that in a long tournament as well. I think England have got strength in that area. It's a really useful thing to have to know that you don't have to pick your first choice seam attack every single match because you've got guys in the background who can who can step up. And the other one I mentioned. Henry Nicholls, um, who is the fifth best test batsman in the world, according to the ICC rankings, and has, and, and has had a good time in ODI cricket as well. He would have started the tournament if he'd been fit, presumably? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's right. And, you know, I, I think he's more
1: likely to come back in. I mean, Colin Munro is just an absolute bludgeoning batsman. But I think against good bowling, he really struggles. I think there's been a lot of video analysis done and they just aim at bowling, sort of through the gate and hitting him on that massive front pad. And you know he's got a real—he he is regularly exposed there. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, Henry Nichols comes back in pretty soon. Um, you know, averages what I think about 15 runs more than than, than him at uh, international level, kind of thing. So I, I think yeah, that that feels like a change that will probably come down the tournament. But Munro is a bit of a momentum player, so I think there's probably just been enough there to see over these last three games to say, oh yeah, we'll maybe keep picking him for a bit. But I, I think I think Nichols. Will We'll
0: come back in potentially as early as the India game on Thursday. Interesting. Okay. And just finally Paul as well, I mentioned as I introduced you that you co-founded the Badge Brigade, those those guys that we see in the stands around the world. Wearing the, the retro beige kit, you've not been able to make it over to the UK for this one. Work and life just just getting in the way, unfortunately, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's heartbreaking actually. Um, there's a bit of chat about if we make the top four, there could be a, a bit of a last-minute foray from um, from down under up up to up to Lords. Right. Um, we'd love to be there for the final. So, never say never. Yeah, I think it's been a it's a pretty massive summer for New Zealand, and we're playing the Boxing Day Test in Melbourne for the first time in course, you know thirty yeah. something years. You know, once in a lifetime opportunity. So I think lots of our lots of our hardcore base brigade guys. That's the that's the one that we've focused on. So yeah, pretty tricky to pull both those off and hold down a, a decent day job. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been it's frustrating, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get through. We've done pretty well over the years. So, and we've also got lots of. Um, We've got lots of, I guess, ad hoc
0: groups over there. There's certainly going to be lots of beige shirts floating around in the stands over the next few weeks. And how, how does it work with the beige Gate? Because the, the Barmy Army have become a kind of business as much as a supporters group, really. Is the beige Gate is it more organic still, that your supporters group? Oh, it's 100% organic. Yeah,
1: fully organic, I'd say. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we just, we make the shirts, we get some shirts, and we send out newsletters, and it's very informal. There's lots of chit-chat on the social media channels. Um, there's a real crossover with the Alternative Commentary Collective, which are my Mike and I, who were the co-founders of the Base Brigade, are involved with, and that's become another, I guess, another cult that's associated with cricket in New Zealand as well. So, yeah, in, in terms of um, a business and running tours and all that sort of thing, we, we can't, we've we done that, and, and it's, um, it's not for us. You know, we love going to the cricket and just being with our mates, so sure. we've just said, for example, when we go to Melbourne, we go, here's where we're buying tickets. Um, let us know in the next week if you want a ticket with us. If not, you know, buy a ticket in the stands and we'll go to this pub and we'll talk to the public and put some Kiwi music on. And, you know, it's very very informal year and much less um, commercial I think than what the the Barmy Army have got to and we you know we really admire what they've done but I think the population base of New Zealand versus the UK is probably a huge factor there too so we we're we're, uh, we're certainly not putting them down we're probably just a little bit jealous that they've
0: managed to, to, to um, pull that off as a full-time thing well how lovely it would be if, if New Zealand <laughs> do gets to the final you can get yourself up here and we can have a kind of bay brigade Barmy Army face off at, at lords on the on the 14th of July that would be lovely <laughs> it would be lovely yeah we've had a few of them over the years and uh, i think the
1: last time the last one i remember being in was in a uh was in the hooters bar at uh at nottingham after a test match and the barmy army crew were dressed as ladies from coronation street and they absolutely destroyed us in a boat race oh,
0: so right. there you go so revenge is needed all these years later <laughs> exactly exactly yeah oh well i think fingers crossed for that one look we're going to wrap it up there thanks ever so much for joining us paul i really appreciate that you yeah, Welcome. It's been good fun, Joe. Thanks, mate. And we'll um, we'll hopefully hear from you again later in the tournament. And thanks to Will, too, of course, for joining us earlier in the show. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be putting my feet up and leaving you in the very capable hands of Phil Walker. He'll be looking back on what promises to be a real humdinger between India and Australia at the Oval. Uh, Phil will be joined for that one by Indian journalist Chetan Narula. Uh, this has been the Wisden Cricket Daily podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app or Spotify. Cheers, folks. Sports Social Podcast Network.